I have bad news. Uh-oh. It turns out uh, because everyone is quarantined and cannot drive, uh, red light camera revenue is sh- sharply down. Wow. Yeah, oh, it's no. a huge crisis, and I'm calling on our government to uh, pass some sort of stimulus bill directly to the red, red light camera companies and all the local uh, governments that rely primarily on red light camera revenue to fund their operations. <laughs> Wait, um, so the the company is called Red Flex? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, and you should not look into their history of bribing and or otherwise being shady to local governments to get their uh, red light cameras put in. No, uh, yeah, I certainly fine. won't. No, this is this is funny because it's like th- this is the headline: is Americans are driving less because of the coronavirus. That's hurting red light camera revenue. It's like, oh, poor babies, <laughs> poor babies. <laughs> the traffic is returning to normal. We are the virus. Yeah. It turns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I don't I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> there's just <laughs> cry like a, about it. <laughs> there's a take for everything and everyone's thirsty for a take. An yeah. original take, no matter how good nor bad it is. I just it's like what did they th- when they published that? What did they expect us to take away from that? I don't know. I just think they were expecting us to go and look at it because it was so it's like, dumb oh, well, I guess I'll go buck. drive and uh blow some red lights then to help them out. Yeah. My answer yeah. is something called science. Yeah, there you go. Um, speaking of science. Speaking of science, the science of fermentation. Oh, very nice. I, <laughs> I like it. Uh I've I've been doing uh a lot of a lot of stuff with dough. And mm. I see a lot of people I mean, it's been really cool to see all of the people doing their sourdough starters I- and doing their breads. I've seen some people get annoyed because, like, flour is out of stock because of this trend. And I saw a tweet that was like, I can't believe I can't buy flour because y'all are doing a Little House on the Prairie cosplay. <laughs> um, so we haven't really bought, I mean, I guess we bought, like, a 50-pound bag from Costco, but we weren't, like, hoarding. Oh, yeah, you got the industrial stockpile We flour. weren't hoarding flour because... No, but I understand you were forced to compromise on the flour that you... Right. Now, I usually uh, I usually only use um, King Arthur flour. Right, as you do. Nice. And you should because they're an employee owned company, and we love that. They're an employee owned company, and their quality is very good, and it's like a it's consistent. So I know how much liquid and stuff I need to use. You know, right? It's it's good flour. It's a baseline, and now the stuff I have to use is garbage and it's been interesting i already am eating from the trash can all the time yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it's like bleached white flour like but store brand or whatever one thing that's that's good about being uh about my mom being of of her time from like the 70s and 60s mm-hmm. and and also being uh mormon is that we happen to have a wheat mill a small home wheat mill wow like an electric mill so you can do it all yourself then right now we can't get white flour um right well that's i mean you know complicated when the supply chain eventually collapses and we're forced (laughs) into a barter economy you can acquire wheat and then mill it 
Well, here's the thing. We've already started. We we have wheat. <laughs> nice. I checked our food storage. Yeah. And I don't think you have the facilities for that, big man. We Except have, you do. We just have like, we have several, several gallons of wheat. Wow. And it's kind wow. of amazing to see how little wheat goes into flour. Like hmm. a cup of wheat, it seems to make like 10 cups of flour. That's an exaggeration, but. You just put a little wheat into this machine and out comes all this flour. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm up to. I made a sourdough starter. Uh, I've named it Rona. (laughs) Nice. In commemoration of the time. I have thought about baking, but I have bread that I need to eat already before I bake. You should probably eat the bread you have already. Yeah. Yeah. And then bake. Right. We'll see. I haven't. I haven't baked bread in a very long time, so For I do the, miss it. A lot of people ask me um, what recipe I... That's the thing. Whenever I cook, whenever I cook, people ask me, what recipe did you use? Mm-hmm. Which I think is like a normal way for people to think about things. Right. Um, but... thing it, is, it's, it's bread. <laughs> it's, it's just that I don't really think about things that way um because i've been cooking for so long like right you're just throwing the flour the water the I, salt and the yeast <laughs> right so there's there's a book that i direct people to mm-hmm. because i i think this is probably the best best method this is the method that ultimately like helped me learn how to cook bread because i'd always struggled with following recipes and using a stand mixer and doing it kind of the way that's the kind of modern way to make bread. But there's this book called flour, water, salt, yeast by Ken Forkish who owns Mm -hmm. uh, some bakeries up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. I I think Um, I own that book. It's a very good book and it's his method is, is very kind of old school hands on, you know, you just, Mm -hmm. you mix everything with your hands in a big tub uh, mm-hmm. and you don't need a mixer. You kind of use time to your advantage. Um, yeah, it does require some equipment that you would. I have do to recommend buy. a circular tub because I have a square shaped one, and it's a pain to get stuff out of the corners. <laughs> yeah, flour, gluey flour in the corners does not sound. It's not great. It's not fun. It's not a want fun time. A round tub, yeah. and you need yeah. um a Dutch oven and a scale. You do, yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah that's uh, true. Yeah, but. Yep. But I, I'll put this in the show notes, a link to the book. But uh, this is the thing. Whenever people ask me what recipe did you use, this is basically my answer to just get this mm-hmm. book. Um, and I don't. And 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 once you understand the fundamentals of it, you can just start making your own recipes. You just start experimenting. You yeah, keep notes. You don't notes. have to follow the rules. No, you, you do don't. And in you fact, want. you learn more by breaking the rules. Do you understand that? Yeah. And it's, exactly. And it's just like a lot of things where you just anticipate a lot of failure and you just try new things and the the cool thing about it is like basically no matter how bad the bread you make turns out it it will become good toast yeah right <laughs> it, <laughs> there's like almost or, no way yeah. to make bad toast <laughs> like uh, yeah you either you either end up with good toast or good bread with which to make french toast so oh i haven't oh. tried that with my bread yet i don't know why you know, you know the life hack for French toast is to leave the bread out overnight, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I've been telling people that and they look at me like I'm crazy and I'm like, no, it's got to be a little bit dried out. That way it absorbs the uh, the egg mixture better. Yeah, that makes sense. I I wouldn't do that with normal bread, I don't think, but with this Science. kind of bread, I definitely would. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. With Wonder Bread, that would... <laughs> it would just turn to yeah, dust, yeah. I think. <laughs> well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so anyhow, I have a sourdough starter named Rona that I'm very proud of, and it's been pretty great. I've been making lots of pancakes with it. Um, don't talk to me or my large sourdough starter ever again. (laughs) Uh, there's, and also in news, uh, a a pot, there's new, a podcast on the scene. These times are very bad, but one thing that this has brought us is the revival of, uh, a very good podcast. You look nice today. Knowledge. Which is now going under the name California King. Uh, I think was this Merlin's first podcast or close to it? Maybe not. It I was think like his it, first. It was like his first non like uh, his first unserious podcast, though. I I think a lot of people might who might listen to our show would already know all this stuff, but maybe there's some people who don't who are who are listening yeah. to our show for some reason. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless you. Um, but the lineage of us probably starts with us being fans of Merlin Mann, who is a yeah. a podcaster. There's like a podcast family tree. He is think influencer. From. Yeah, he's he's like he's like way back on the family tree. He's like Thought our Noah. Leader. Yeah. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh. Anyhow, that th- it was delightful. I recommend everybody go listen to it. But I have I a confession it. because I feel like Uh-oh. now now that they've started putting out new shows. So there was this show called You Look Nice Today that happened like in the early, tw- I would say, 2000. Late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. yeah. And, and everybody who I do podcasts with loves the show. It's kind of a thing we have in common. But I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. I never listened to this show. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I don't believe it. I think... The I good th- news is that I saw, uh, just before we recorded, I saw that Merlin has collected uh, the episodes that he thinks are very good in a special feed, which Ooh. you can listen to. Okay, I, I would, need I, that. I poked through it, and uh, I agree with most of the choices. So I have listened yeah. to several of the episodes so when it first came out i listened to it and for some reason at the time it just didn't click with me even though i followed everybody on that on twitter like i was there amongst the twitter crowd it is an interesting podcast to just sort of drop into because there's not really a structure or anything you just feel like you've like hacked into someone's like three-way phone call and you're just like what are they talking about and there's a lot of like it's hard to unless you know the people's personalities it's hard to tell uh if they're being serious or they're joking. Yeah. Cuz it's kind of improv-y. It's like an mm-hmm. improv conversation which yeah. I mean I guess yes, all and. conversations are but Yeah. Well. Hmm. <laughs> yes and uh, nice. <laughs> So uh but yeah I just wanted to get it off my chest that I never really listened to it. I went back and I have listened to some episodes but I don't have a full knowledge of the canon and to be quite Mm. honest i probably will not go back and listen to all of it because there's just too much there's too Um, much content in general yeah we're going under something of a like podcast renaissance because people have nothing better to do with their time. So. Baking and podcasting is yeah. is all like white dudes know how to do these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. 
Yeah. So proud to contribute to that. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> okay. Now we have to get into uh, uh, serious news, I guess. <clears throat> okay. Serious. Uh, yeah. So, um, so there was a walkout, I believe, in in New York at Amazon's warehouses in New York, um, protesting the fact that the company is basically making them continue to work in the warehouse without any. Here we go. Without any protections of any kind, um, yeah, he led. So there was this um, warehouse worker who led the walkout of employees at a Staten Island distribution warehouse, and then he was fired. Um, and he was almost certainly fired because he organized a walkout, and that's what companies do: they fire uh, laborers who organize or attempt to organize things. And I think um, what's crazy about this specific uh, circumstance, if I might be, might jump in here, is that like. He wasn't trying to lead some sort of mass movement. You right. Know? All like, they were trying to do was like give us some masks and hand sanitizer well, or and whatever. And he was specifically asking for what I think is like a very low bar. Like I think they should be asking for a lot more. And it yeah. was a low bar of here's what the other warehouse in our in the same city <coughs> did. Oh. But well, ours didn't. For right. unknown reasons. Yeah. And and so, so there was there was just tons of people in the warehouse who were showing symptoms and who had tested positive for coronavirus and they hadn't like cleaned Taken the place any real kinds of precautions yeah or any actions really yeah and so he was um, like he took he took time off because he's like i will take paid time off because i don't want to be around this and then he yeah. thought they would have like figured something out he came back to work and he walked in and it was still a mess. And he was like, all right, something mm -hmm. has to be done here. Right. So, so they fired him. <coughs> uh, great. Love that. And then Love that for him, um, when they immediately got called out for firing this guy, they said, no, no, uh, you don't understand. Um, we actually fired him because he violated quarantine. Um, and in fact, the person leading the charge on this was Amazon senior vice president of global corporate affairs, Jay Carney. Uh, who basically replied to a Bernie tweet where Bernie was like, hey, this was dumb to fire this guy. Yeah. And um, so Jay Carney and also some other dude basically had the exact same tweet that was like, you've been misinformed. We actually fired him uh, because he violated curfew and, or quarantine and uh, putting the rest of our employees in danger will not be tolerated. The, and uh, Jay Carney... Uh, uh yeah, Jay Carney immediately got ratioed and people were telling him to uh, F off, among other things. And he got very angry at this um, and made some very dumb tweets uh, in an attempt to basically weaponize civility against uh, dissent, which is a typical thing that people yeah. do. And we have more on that later. Um, but then uh, a memo, internal memo was leaked from Amazon's general counsel. Uh, where they basically planned to uh, smear him, calling him not smart or articulate, and uh, generally create a strategy of making him, the this particular employee, the face of the entire union-slash-organizing movement. Um, that not They basically smart, thought... <laughs> yeah. That not smart arti or articulate is particularly galling when we point out, I think we have not pointed out, that I believe he is black. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. That's that's um, particularly noxious and gross. Yeah, 
So basically, they're trying to, as everyone noticed, you know, in the beginning, they're trying to basically clamp down on any sort of unionization efforts or whatever. And they thought that they would make try and make this guy uh, the figurehead. But of course, um, good people inside of Amazon who are not in leadership uh, don't really agree with this strategy. And so some delightful person leaked uh, this memo to Vice News and they published it and it's just sort of extremely stupid and yeah they basically got caught red-handed doing what we all know they were doing anyway but now I they think have now is face. a good time for people inside these corps and these orgs who are are annoyed at what's going on who have any sort of semblance of decency and goodwill to just like start leaking like crazy because yeah yeah. There's so much chaos going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing You're is you have okay. more in common if you work at one of these companies, like in the offices, you honestly have more in common. Your interests are more aligned with the per- people in the warehouses than with the people, you know, in the fancy corner offices on the top floor. Right. Yeah. Because they will just lay you off the moment that it becomes necessary. For and the, to do and so. the odds are, here's the thing, too, that I think most people in these positions need to realize is. You are pretty much liable to get laid off anyway, so yeah. you might as well yeah. go out guns blazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a lawyer. Don't take this as legal advice. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. Don't blame me, but um, yeah. that's 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 the headspace I'd be in. So so anyway, that was bad for for them. But, um, you know, sort of on this note of um, these workers, warehouse workers, walking out another article from Vice about how workers were always essential. Um, The coronavirus pandemic is revealing that capitalists aren't essential. Workers are and essential Mm. people have leverage, which is basically and I've heard other seen other people point this out, that the ability to work from home is basically a luxury because it means that you have a job that doesn't actually require that much effort to do such that you can do it from home. But meanwhile, you have people like janitors and fast food workers and warehouse workers and EMTs and all of that. Basically, the people who get paid the lowest amount do the jobs that are the most important. uh, Yeah. Because everything is topsy-turvy. Um, yeah, and there's this so, like yeah. garbage about creating value, and I like you know, to me, it's a lot more valuable to be able to use a bathroom, right? Then, yeah, it's like, what does your boss do? Here's the thing: like, if your boss quit tomorrow, would that impact your work, or would for, life continue for the to negative go on? or for the positive? <laughs> Just at all? I mean, like, would you? Like, would you suddenly be unable to do your work without their direction? Probably not. Right. Probably things would go on. Well, which gives you as someone who's experienced this really multiple times anything. over the years, it does go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what you've seen lately is that a lot of workers have been uh, protesting or, um, you know, going on strike or walking out or whatever. Um to secure protections for themselves in this time of pandemic, um, you know, uh, to Instacart, secure the very smallest and meagerest of bags, right? Um, yeah, the very smallest of bags. Um, you know, so this is just the point that I think you and I have known for a long time, which is, of course, that um, what what do we say? Labor creates all wealth, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That sounds something about like right. That. Someone sh- someone should write something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can do it. You you I mean, you're empowered now. 
I'm highly productive now uh, <laughs> because I have upgraded my desk. You become a 10x have, engineer. I do. Yes, I did. I have now have a sit stand desk. Uh, so I'm standing at it right now, which is different. Wow. Uh, my legs hurt a little bit. So can you do a power fun. stance like where you kind of like lean forward into it? I can, but then I'll hit the microphone. <laughs> so uh, I have identified a few issues with the standing desk arrangement, uh, one of which is cables. Um, when you're sitting down, the cables are all too long because you need that slack for when you're standing up and the desk is higher. Mm-hmm. But also the cables are generally too short. So it was like lifting my surge protectors off the ground, which is not great. So I need to figure out some sort of solution there. But yeah. Yeah, I just, my um, solution at work, because I have a sit-stand desk, uh, was this like long cables. But I more and more find myself wrapping my legs in cables mm, somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, and it's yeah. a problem I need to figure out. Yeah. So if anyone has an advice, I, I wish that like cape, there was more cables that were like, I don't I know. Kind like, of, I had in my brain this idea of like a cable that's on a reel and the reel yes. is like mounted to the underside of the desk. Yes. So then it like unspools as it goes up we need and more it's always reeled, in a little bit of tension. Real ca- tension reeled cables that like are on like a little pulley thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Why don't they have that? They should have uh, that. Yeah. Probably too complicated or expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. Uh, but it would anyway. be quite. You'd have to have like flat cables. Yes, although I like flat cables personally. Well, so. me too. So <laughs> there yeah. we go. Um, yeah, I'm, of well, cables. welcome to the sit stand desk lifestyle. It's it's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I, I re- another issue was that I acquired the desk uh, with just the up down switch instead of the memory settings, and I regret that. Oh, uh, pretty much immediately. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> now I can't dial. It's like I have to dial it in each time I sit down, rather than just being able to press a button. Well, so, you could create probably, a little note for yourself, like a little label, maybe that tells yeah, you. Yeah, well, I'm probably just gonna buy the 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 memory controller separately, that's, and just that's, that's just you. a little handset. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. Well, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. I I miss... That is one thing that... My work from home has mm-hmm. really made me value having my sit-stand desk at work. Even though I feel like I don't take advantage of it enough at work, um, it does yeah, make me I have me a sit-stand desk at work, but I rarely stand at it. For reasons mostly limited to the fact that the monitors I have at work do not height adjust. And the desk itself doesn't actually get high enough for them to be in my eye line when I'm standing, which is oh, very annoying. that's not nice. Yeah, so then I'm, like, looking down and my neck hurts. It's not great. Well, have you ever considered that that neck hurting might actually be from something else? It hmm. might be from something, go, some dangerous thing go, traveling through the air. Tell me more. Tell me more. 5G. Oh, a 5G. Yeah. What about it? Is it? Well, I've, I've heard a lot about it. Um, many people are saying, and may, many people don't know this, but many people hmm. are saying that uh, 5G may have been the trigger of COVID-19. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, oh, I'm okay. just a messenger. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in, uh, in, in the UK, they've actually been setting cellular telephone masts on fire. Uh, Wait, what? To, <laughs> yep. Yep, they've been setting cell phone towers on fire uh, to protest, I guess, or try and destroy the 5G before so wait, it destroys them. Wait, first of all, 
why are there masks built out of something that's flammable? That seems like a Grenfellian mistake. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just catching the insulation on fire or something. Is everything in Britain just flammable? Like, is that the state I think so. There? I think it's all coated in, like, enough, like, coal tar and dust <laughs> that it just goes up in an instant. <laughs> what on earth? Yeah. So they're... Um, they're- so, destroying yeah, their infrastructure. This is right. this is such a perfect symbol of what has been going on in this uh, is, the UK uh, for the past this, few years. Well, I think, you know, in general, scientific literacy is at a sort of all-time low, such that people hear that 5G might have created coronavirus and they somehow think that that's at all a thing that's well, physically possible. I would I would I would beg to differ in that I would say I think scientific literacy is at an all-time high. But trust in science is at an all-time low, and that creates this weird, uh, wonky so thing where people... So you can just say something that sounds vaguely scientific, and people will be like, I buy it. Everyone thinks they're a scientist, and they believe yeah, right. in their own science. But yeah. they, they, they're, they're all amateurs, and so they're just so doing I will crazy say stuff. say that, uh, you know, as an electrical engineer who knows about these kinds of things, this is not how any of this works. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, literally, literally not how it works. You I promise you, we've known about the existence of electromagnetic waves for uh, over a hundred years now. We would have figured out what's good and bad. By well, now. listen, listen, Andrew. And indeed, we have. Listen, Andrew. If mm. if the five G can send a virus to my phone, why can't it huh? send a virus to my body? Mm, we don't have Answer time to that. get into that. Answer that. <laughs> we got him. I don't know. People don't get it. Uh, people don't get it. Speaking of other people who don't get it, um, you know, uh, the thing is, the coronavirus has been terrible and it's been really exposing the extreme stupidity of our healthcare system here. Um, <laughs> mainly that oh a lot of people have become unemployed and have lost their healthcare coverage <laughs> and their incomes. Um, and, uh, you know, you see the two vanguards of the Democratic Party coming out to offer pragmatic solutions. Uh, firstly, we have 2016 Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, who says... When you say, when you say pragmatic solutions, in my mind's eye, I picture you with your fingertips touching your, like, of both hands. Like, mm, your hands are yes. together with the fingertips touching. And as you say pragmatic solutions, the, the fingertips divide, and it turns into the hands pointing. Pragmatic solutions, like... Pragmatic solutions. <laughs> So Hillary says, uh, millions, millions of people have lost their employer tied health and health care over the last two weeks because of the pandemic. It's an easy call. Reopen the health care exchanges. Everybody to which I say <laughs> private health insurance industry. How are people supposed to pay for health care when they don't have incomes? This is like the level of like. Sell it to who? Right. Aquaman? Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> It's like, with what money are they meant to sign up for healthcare plans? Well, also, you know, all of the healthcare plans on the exchanges have, like, incredibly large deductibles and co-pays anyway, so... Well, I think maybe what she's suggesting is a system whereby they open up these exchanges, and then the government gives people money, mm. whereby that money purchases the healthcare. And you know mm -hmm. what? While we're at it, let's just get rid of the middleman and let the government directly purchase the health care and hmm. give it to everybody I, you know what and we can call that um 
uh, easy exchanges. Yeah, maybe. Easy exchanges for all. I don't know about that. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Next, we have uh, a 2020 candidate for president, Joe Biden. Is he? Really? They claim as such. Huh. uh, Still. Yeah. Um, He's come out uh, with basically a thoughts and prayers type thing and says, now more than ever, we need to choose hope over fear. We will beat COVID-19. We will overcome this together. I just want to say, thanks, Joe. That's really helpful. Bruh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. This is the thing is these people are so out of touch that they literally have no idea uh, what sort of policies would actually be useful here. And all they have to offer is like platitudes. We decided we were going to change the world. And we did. Hmm. It's just yeah this hmm. this glop and and the and the you fact that you them. see people that are just like yas queen this yeah. is it you yeah. know yeah any anyone it's been it's been it's been great because it's helped me to in my own understanding divide the wheat from the chaff mm. and the mm-hmm. wheat from the tares right just, just it's that it's becoming more and more apparent. Well, are you applying, as we discussed last episode, the principle of you can just unfollow? You can. Oh, my gosh. Updates. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Follow up. Wait, one one moment. Hang on. Uh, Updates. I've unfollowed unfollowed several people and brands and things uh, since since we last episode. It's so good. It's so good. I think what's remarkable to me is that I continue to receive emails from random brands about <laughs> coronavirus. I'm still getting them. I don't care. I don't care. Please. I do, I do not care. Leave I me do alone. not care. <laughs> yeah. People are dying. Nobody cares about you, Del Taco. Please. No. <laughs> I'm not worried about your dumb taco restaurant. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not. I, I mean, just, I get it. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Anyway, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, then we have on the other side of the spectrum, um, some people who are very close, but not close enough. Stupid, um, namely, questions. namely Charlie Kirk, uh, who is as as you all know the head of Toilet Paper USA, um, the diaper baby, is, the king diaper baby coconut head himself. Yeah, um, he was on a program uh, where they were talking about the coronavirus relief package, which, uh, you know, it totals like $2 trillion or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they basically um, calculated out that, you know, um, Medicare for all, which was proposed by Bernie, costs $32 trillion over 10 years, which means that it actually costs about $3 trillion a year, um, you know, over those 10 years. And they said... Um, you know, so now we've set a precedent that three trillion dollars a year is not that much. In fact, it's perfectly affordable. UBI, why not do it every quarter? Why not every month? Uh, and so they basically figured out, uh, but we're instead um, bemoaning this that actually we have the money for things. But they were deeply <laughs> sad that um, they that were we angry at hand. Trump essentially and the Republicans <laughs> that they basically have abandoned this pretense of you know not having enough money for things by passing this massive spending bill. There you go. Well, now people are going to realize that we can actually have expensive things. I like it. Yeah. Thanks. 
Thanks, Charlie. Because money is fake. And this has been proven <laughs> by the fact that the Fed has just said that it's just going to print money until things get better. So, which will definitely so work. Yeah, that you'll definitely be able to stimulate an economy uh even in the absence of economic activity. Even in the absence of people being able to actually buy things. Yeah. <laughs> it's Listen, just we're giving you money to buy things. Why aren't is... you going out and buying them? It's like, I don't know, maybe cuz I'm not allowed to go out. Ask people what yeah. they're going to do with their check. And I guarantee you they're not going to go out and buy a new iPhone. Well, they probably Yeah, well, can. I tell you, they're probably going to give that check to their landlord to pay for rent, but that's a whole separate topic. Or they're going to pay, use it to pay a student loan or to pay a credit card or... Yeah. You know, right. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah, the I think I think all this is building up to like an arg that I've developed recently in my head, um, mm-hmm. and I mean we kind of talked about this kind of thing here, but like it's really solidified for me that that there's this this argument against we talk about revolutionary radical change, right? Yeah, we we get in the the sort of the the Bernie Sanders lane of. You know, <laughs> we need radical change um, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> we need big structural Baileys and oh, we do <laughs> and 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 the 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 rejoinder from people is often like, yeah, but that will be very painful. It will be very disruptive. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't like what we can't like stop doing fossil fuels, uh, you know, in 10 years. That would be incredibly disruptive. It would entirely upend our economy and and turn everything on its head. Yeah. We don't know what we would do, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a there's a there's that counter argument is given towards everything, towards universal, right. you know, nationalized health care. Because people have a bias towards what they perceive to be normal. Right. The status normal. quo. I mean, there's I understand it it on a on a certain level because like I'm a very risk averse person. Like, yeah, I'm not out here taking huge risks in my everyday life. I think my my childhood. uh experiences with like poverty and uh being like you know also like i think being overweight kind of like Mm. and seeing that like i don't get to take risks that other people do because there's always these perceptions of me from people Mm -hmm. um that that kind of like makes me not a very a person willing to take a lot of risk like i've always kind of not been that yeah i'm pretty risk averse too but uh, you know on a certain level it's like well if everything is already in disarray, <laughs> right? Why not do the radical stuff, which we have a good inkling would help to resolve a lot of the underlying issues that brought about right. this disarray? Why not? Yeah. What's because the cost is now gone, <laughs> right? But instead, you get people loudly insisting that we have to pretend that nothing has changed and that everything's still normal. Which is how you get, you know, Republicans saying, "Oh, we have to send people back to work." Back to we work have to where? get back to, do to what? we have to we have to get back to some sense of normalcy. <laughs> which is it's not it's things have I mean, fundamentally changed, but there are so many people who are not willing to accept <laughs> that. And I think the and so well and I think people are going to realize that. Sadly, it, a lot of what's going on with this pandemic and this economic collapse 
I think is really sad when you see mm -hmm. the just the huge amount of suffering that humankind is going to be going through that we have and that we will. It's mm -hmm. it's really hard to look at. Like the more you pay attention to the news, you pay attention to kind of like what's going on and you ask people around you what they're going through. It's really sad. Like, yeah, I, you know, just hearing people who've lost their jobs, who don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I have, I've, I have several friends who like <laughs> this week, you know, they've like texted me, Hey, what's up? I'm like, Oh, you know, just doing, how are you doing? Oh, well, I think I have coronavirus and I'm quarantined and I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's yeah. just a, a lot going on. Yeah. There's, uh, unimaginable amounts of misery right now. I mean, and 10 million people have filed for unemployment in the last two weeks. And it can be like really difficult to have hope to have like well, a positive but you heard joe biden we have to have we have <laughs> I mean, to choose he, tell, hope he told us fear. we have to yeah and i and i really hate like people like that who it's like oh well just stop being sad about it that's all yeah it's it's all in your mindset man turn your lemons into lemonade and you say <laughs> well i have no lemons that is the problem <laughs> i lack lemons would you care to give me some lemons no i can't do that <laughs> or you have lemons but you don't have any pitchers or water so right yeah it's no like sugar. i have lemons here and no mechanism yeah <laughs> um but but the thing is that the thought that has got me through it mm -hmm. is that I think this stuff is going to force people to realize a lot of this stuff. And I think the longer this goes on and it will, I think it will go on long. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be out of this anytime soon. That's not my perception. I think people are going to have to confront the reality that we're on. We're in a huge historical disruption to our society and mm. that, and that it presents an opportunity to skip past all of that but what if this upturns things and just yeah. do the stuff that we know we need to do and make the changes that we know we need to make um in in the interest of protecting human life you know mm -hmm. uh and 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 that's kind of exciting because it's kind of like you have like a huge opportunity mm -hmm. and i think helping the thing that i've been trying to do when i talk to people lately because I noticed that conversations like spiral quickly. People, uh, yeah. you know, like if people just, it's kind of, it's, it's tough because people are having a tough time. And the thing I've tried to do is like, you know, I've tried to remind them like, but you know, at one point it's an opportunity to re-examine. like mm. working from home has been awesome. I know a lot of people have struggled with being cooped up, but yeah, I feel like I've thrived. Like I feel, yeah, I, I'm not doing too bad, you know? I feel like it's been very nice to be able to step away from my work for five minutes to take a break, to go out and say hi to my dogs, and then come back yeah. in, to go right. do some yard work, to have the time in the morning because I don't have to commute, to be able oh, to like actually cook a breakfast. Been great. I've, been, yeah. I've been sleeping better. I've been making breakfast. The only thing is I did catch like this terrible cold, which I hope was not the virus. I didn't. They wouldn't test me, so. Oh. <laughs> lovely but i think right. i'm on the tail end but if i hadn't had that i would have gotten so much more crap done but even yeah. despite having this cough this really bad cough i mean i've done all kinds of things and it's been very enriching and so it, it's like all of the things that i value in my life 
are not connected to going into the office. Right. They're the things that enrich my life that make me happy are like being around my family, making things with my hands, like creating things, having conversations with people. And, and I get that I'm more of an introvert. So there's probably a bias here. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, taking that as an opportunity that like there's, to be a little bit more imaginative about the world we can create because we can dispense with all these assumptions about what we have to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I agree. So I don't know if you have more to say. I've kind of gone on a rant. This is (laughs) no, I think it's good. I mean, you've, yeah, I've been thinking about this sort of thing too. I've been telling, you know, friends and coworkers, I'm like, well, perhaps out of the wreckage of our current economy, we can build something better. You know, that's just sort of my hope. Um, they seem reluctant to accept that there will be wreckage, um, but I don't see how you could not just figure that that's coming at this point. I mean, we've all seen the line on the unemployment graph. It's very scary. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do not know how, like I've said, like I don't know how you stimulate an economy when economic activity is impossible. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I just think of all of the store. Like I live near a mall. And that mall has a lot of like ancillary stores and restaurants near it, and they're all closed. They're all closed. And yeah. like I don't know how like how they get unclosed to work. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know how that's supposed to just be like a temporary glitch that we get through. Yeah. You know, with like yeah, with I, like, oh well, here's twelve hundred dollars once and that <laughs> that's fine. You'll be that fine. Clears, that clears that all up. Yeah. Yeah, here's twelve hundred dollars and a little sticker that says, uh, you know, hope over fear. <laughs> you know, uh, and in these dark times, you can have the positive voice of Bo Jiden, uh, Joseph Hard R. Biden, yeah. or you can have the positive words of my main man. We are in for a truly spectacular adventure. And here comes a helicopter overhead. <laughs> I can't wait for the helicopters to start circling. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I was not prepared for this. I'm trying and I'm learning. Thank you for your patience. There's so many mistakes I have already made, but I'm working to be better day by day. I think I'm gonna make it, but for now I'll say I have no 